Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right, college basketball dream preview edition during the Super Bowl week. I am Brad Powers alongside A.J. Hoffman. Not a good week. We'll do, we won't beat around the bush here. Not a good week for just about everybody on the panel here with the exception of Mackenzie Rivers, who won another NBA best bet. As always here on the College Basketball Dream Preview, we talk about the biggest games of the week, we preview them, we give you our best bets. But before we talk about the biggest games for the upcoming week, we always recap what happened the prior week. And not good. Brad Powers, (laughs) he was crying. Uh, maybe, maybe jinx Dave Esler because for the first time this season, Dave Esler also lost a best bet. He's now six and one. We both had Florida against Baylor. That line came out Florida favored. So market was all over, uh, the Gators in that one and didn't work out. So double digit loss for Florida. Best bet loser for Brad Powers. Best bet loser for Dave Esler on the Gators. AJ Hoffman, Cal Baptist. How'd that work out for you? Uh, not well. Uh, they had about a seven minute scoring drought crossing over the, uh, the halftime of the game and did not, did not get it done for us. That was the, the worst shooting performance of the season by Cal Baptist. So, uh, grabbed him at the wrong time. What are you going to do? Yeah. And, uh, Mackenzie, you did win with Denver. You're fading, uh, the Zion always effect. wins. So. I'll end on a positive there with McKenzie winning. Yeah, he's NBA. keeping us afloat. Yeah, so and McKenzie's got another NBA best bet coming your way Tuesday night action. We'll get Ooh. to him as far as the Tuesday night action goes. So, I mean, I'm not going to belabor the point. It was a really bad week. It wasn't just a bad week for the podcast for me. Uh, premium content was uh, horrific. Uh, got to turn around. Uh, long season, obviously, when you're betting college basketball each day. Sometimes you go through slumps. All right. Showtime! Yeah, hey, Woo! My, Go ahead, AJ. Yeah, I say most of my picks on the uh, on the podcast did well last last week, except for that one. That one uh, not so well. And I got you on the Kentucky Texas Tech game. Yeah, you baited me into. Uh, uh, so, hey, most things went well, but you know how that you know how it works. If if you win five and lose one, and the one was your uh, your best bet, then that's what you're graded on. So it is what it is. And we did mention that because let's face it, the prior podcast. A lot of people were complaining, hey, your leans are losing. And we said, hey, fo- if you're going to focus on anything, focus on the best bets. Yep. And, you know, even though, you know, sometimes the leans and likes win, I still want you to focus on best bets, win or lose. That, that's what the, 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 the ultimate grade should be on this college basketball dream preview. Let's get started here, though, with Tuesday night action, number five, Florida State at Virginia. We're going to project Florida State to be a one-point road favorite, total 111. This one tips at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. And speaking of best bets, we're not going to beat around the bush here. Sleepy Jay leads off the podcast. He's got a best bet on Florida State. Take it away, Sleepy. All right, guys, my college basketball side best bet for the podcast. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take Florida State plus the one point against the Virginia Cavaliers here. Guys, it's pretty simple for me here. If you take a look at Virginia, what they've done so far in the season, uh, it hasn't been pretty. This team is in serious jeopardy of probably not even making the big dance. you got to go all the way back to the first game of the season uh, for us to pretty much say that that was probably Virginia's best win when they beat Syracuse. Uh, since then, you know, it's been a couple wins here, a couple losses there. Uh, haven't beaten anybody good, haven't beaten any ranked teams. And, you know, they struggled against teams typically. You know, they really would put away uh, teams like Stony Brook and Navy, uh, just to name a few. I mean, they, they gutted out a win against... Uh, Wake Forest, where I think the game went into overtime. I mean, this team's played a lot of close games. And in reality, when you look at really how they're winning these games, it really just comes down to their defense. And if they go up against a team like Florida State, who they do a lot of things well, um, eventually your defense just isn't going to be able to, you know, win in all these types of areas that you need to win in. 
Look at Virginia right now. Yes, they have the number one defense in the nation, and it's very good. But, you know, they don't shoot any threes. Their three-point percentage is 344th in the nation. Um, they're a, a terrible assisting team, 308th in the nation. This is out of 353 teams, guys. Uh, so this team is like bottom of the barrel in some of the more serious areas where you need to be able to go ahead. And although you can not you can only rely on your defense so much, you have to do other things. Uh, free throw attempts, 300, 344th in the nation. I mean, that's absolutely terrible. Um, how, how, do you, how does this team... How do you expect this team to win games when, you know, they, they, they can't assist the basketball? They can't get to the free throw line. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a ton of things here um, that I could rattle off. Free throw percentage, 202nd in the nation. Assist to turnover ratio, 250th in the nation. Um, they don't create steals. For as good as this defense is, uh, they don't steal the basketball, 226th in the nation. And if you look at what Florida State does, that's a pretty solid team across the board. Uh, they really don't do anything poorly. Uh, rebounding the basketball is probably one of their worst things, but you know when it comes to steals per game, they create turnovers. And if you can create turnovers against a team like Virginia, you're going to get more possessions against that defense, and eventually you're going to wear them down. Free throw percentage. Now, although Florida State doesn't get to the line a ton, now they shoot. You know they're the 17th ranked team in the nation at shooting free throws. So if they do get there, uh, we're going to get some points out of them. Three point percentage, 79th in the nation. Total blocks, 19th in the nation. So not only can they steal the basketball, but they can prevent you from scoring. Uh, so the steals and blocks kind of goes together as, as extra possessions gained for your offense. And that's big here. You know, you need that against a good defense, especially on the road. Uh, but guys, from everything that I really looked at in this game, I don't see anything saying go ahead and back Virginia. As I said, they've beaten a lot of mediocre teams. They haven't beaten many good teams at all this season. Their best win was against Syracuse. They're going up against a good Florida State team who they do a lot of good things on offense, a lot of good things on defense. They're just a very well-rounded team, and this team has rattled off a lot of wins in a row. Yes, some of the games have been close, but again, you know, Florida State will play your game, and they don't mind playing your game. And eventually, you know, the steals, the free throws, the blocks, those little things are going to add up. And I think it adds up in this game. So I'm going to go ahead and make that official, guys. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take Florida State for my side best bet for this podcast, plus the one point. All right, that's Sleepy J on Florida State to start things off. AJ, you're more on the total here, but just the lean for you. Where, where are you going at in this one? Yeah, I'll lean to the under. I actually lean with Sleepy on this one with Florida State. I, I just think they're the superior team. But this was obviously a, a really low-scoring game in the in the first matchup, 54-50. This matchup between these two teams, under eight of the last nine, it's the best ACC defense versus the third-best ACC defense. Uh, Virginia, 255th in adjusted offensive efficiency, and they're the slowest team in the country. So uh, they've there was only 11 free throws attempted in the first game. And that's sort of a theme with these two teams. Neither one of them shoot a whole lot of uh, free throws, particularly Virginia. And Florida State, they just seem willing to play at whatever pace that the opponent chooses to play at, which bodes well for an under because you know Virginia is going to go slow. They've only covered six games this year, Virginia has. Uh, but they could be desperate here. That's why it's just a lean on Florida State for me. Virginia's, they've got a good chance of missing the tournament. I mean, right now, they're currently out, according to most of the bracket uh, predictors. Only one quadrant win this season. That was the opening game of the year at Syracuse. So, Virginia might be desperate, which is why I'm only a lean on Florida State and a lean on the under. What say you, Brad? Yeah, I'm really not a fan of either team, to be perfectly frank. I know Florida State's been getting some wins, but, I mean, a lot of them have been close. They're 7-0 since the uh, first game of the season, and games decided by six points or less. Three straight non-covers for them makes sense. You're starting to pay a premium on a team that's only lost a couple games this season. Uh, with that being said, I'm not necessarily a fan of this Virginia team. They've had five straight close games. I watched, I think, about every second of the NC State game, a Monday night game from, yeah, it was last Monday. Just was not impressed with all. Florida State has the height advantage, the depth advantage, but to me, it's kind of pick your poison here. And to me, I think Florida State's the more overrated of the two as far as the market goes. No question, Florida State's the better team. That's why they're laying a point on the road in our line projections here. I'm just going to lean Virginia here plus the one. But this, to me... uh, if this wasn't uh, one of the games we're talking about, it's kind of a no play for me. So while it's a lean, we're talking. If I were to bet it, I don't know if I'd even bet it with your money, AJ. <laughs> 
I appreciate that. I appreciate the honesty there. What What do you? Because Leonard Hamilton, a lot of people like him, a lot of people don't. Obviously, you know, Florida State's a unique team as far as they have a lot of height, they have a lot of depth. It's been that way the last couple of years. I mean, what's your thought processes on this Florida State team moving forward? Because, I mean, they've been in the mix at least the last couple of years here. I think one, what you mentioned, one of the things I like the most about them is their depth. And they've, they kind of play positionless basketball. They've got a bunch of, of really athletic uh, big guys, like, you know, 6'6 six, six and up, uh, and can move those guys all over the court. But the depth thing is nice to me because, it is, especially when you get through conference season and you're playing two times a week, and the grind starts to roll, and then particularly when you get into like these ACC tournament situations, that's why I've seen Florida State have some success in that situation. The guys aren't getting worn down because they've got eight, nine guys that, that Hamilton can trust to put out on the floor, where a lot of these teams, it's six or seven tops, and, and they wear them down throughout the season. Then come uh, you know conference tournament time, there's not a lot of tread left on the tires. And you're seeing that with Virginia this year. You know, uh, they lost so many key guys, and really all the guy, all the guys that they lost were were guys, Guy, Jerome, uh, Hunter, all guys who could score the ball for them, and guys who played a lot of minutes. And they've the guys that they've replaced them with just have not been nearly as good, and which is easy to say when you lose three guys to the NBA. But this is it's almost turned into a rebuild season for them, and they're having to rely heavily on just a handful of guys. And at the tempo that Virginia normally plays, maybe that's not the worst thing in the world, but this Florida State team can play slow, they can play fast because they've got so many guys. The depth is just a real key for them. Yeah, as far as tempo goes, Virginia dead last, no surprise there. Florida State uh, above average in terms of tempo, number 111 in the country. All right, recapping it, Sleepy Jay with the top opinion there. He's got a best bet, Florida State. AJ, you lean under, I lean Virginia, and you would also, if you had to take a side, you would lean on the Florida State side. Is that correct? I would. All I right. Would. That's wrapping it up there for the first game here on the College Basketball Dream Preview. I'm Brad Powers. Let's talk Big Ten action here. Let's move to Purdue at number 25, Rutgers. We'll project Rutgers a three-point home favorite. Uh, this one tips at 8 p.m. Eastern on the Big Ten Network. Total 119 is the projection. You're on... Well, you, you got an opinion on both sides in total here. I'll let you lead the way, AJ. Yeah, I like the under. I'm a lean on a okay. side. I like the under, though. Purdue, 55 points per game on the road in conference play, 68 and a half at home. I mean, they are the epitome of different teams on the road and at home. 13 and a half points per game is a big difference here. Uh, in conference play, Purdue is the least efficient offense uh, in the conference. They've got the slowest tempo. They're 346th overall in tempo. They're 10th in the conference in three-point percentage, 14th in two-point percentage, 12th in free-throw percentage. They're just a bad offensive team. Rutgers, ninth in adjusted offense in the conference. They're not great themselves, and they're 7th in tempo. They're ninth in three-point percentage, but they're last in attempts. They're not looking to shoot threes. And 14th in free-throw percentage. So these are two of the teams in the Big Ten. Like We've seen a lot of underplay in the Big Ten this year. These are two of the teams that really cause them. It's a pretty low number at 119. But I understand why, particularly with Purdue's offensive woes on the road. And, and I'm going to lean to Rutgers just because they've been so dominant at home. I know we've seen that that trend start to uh, switch back the other way where the road teams are now starting to pick up some wins. They're starting to pick up some uh, some covers. But Rutgers 14-0 and at the, at the rack, 1-5 in neutral road games, neutral or road games. Uh, Rutgers hasn't beaten Purdue since joining the Big Ten. This seems like their best chance to do it, certainly. And, and Rutgers should be better on the glass than Purdue. They're also top 30 and in, in, in nationally in block shots. The problem with Purdue to me, they still don't have a consistent outside shooter, especially on the road. And Stefanovic, a lot of people have said he's going to be that guy. He's going to be that guy. He's made 43 three-pointers this season. Only eight of them have come on the road. So 35 at home, eight on the road. He just does not shoot the, the same way outside of Purdue. So I lean with Rutgers, but I like the under. I'm with you. Get agreement with me on the under here. I mean, for obvious reasons, you got two top 11 defenses here. And to me, Rutgers starting to play with a little bit of pressure here. That's why I'm not going to take the side. I mean, to me, I would think Rutgers is a little overpriced. Why? 10 straight covers for them until Saturday when you start paying a premium on Rutgers. Not a huge fan. The home away splits you. You broke it down eloquently there 
Uh, Rutgers dominant at home. Purdue not so much on the road, like a typical Big Ten home away split here between these two. Just prefer the under, and, and let me throw a couple more at you. I mean, Rutgers, not a good three-point shooting team, number 297 in the country. Purdue's elite defensively as far as defending the three. They're in the top ten. Purdue, very inefficient when it comes to two-point shooting. They're nearly number 300 in the country in that department. Rutgers, top 20 in two-point defense. So I know it's going to be a low total, but with a slower tempo like you mentioned with Purdue, uh, kind of an all-in game for, for Rutgers. Uh, one nineteen seems a little high for me, so I am going to lean, lean with the under here. Any closing thoughts, AJ? Nope, I'm, I'm with you on the. Is that, it's a lean for you on the under. Just a lean for me. So okay, I, I mean, I got some stronger opinions coming up, and, and oh, it's all good, man. All right, I'll tell I you. I mean, I'm not. You're the one picking these games, so I mean, I'm at a disadvantage. No, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, you say you're joking just because you don't want to pick the games next week. I'll pick them. You want me? I, we'll, we'll start running if, now. I mean, listen, man. I'm fine either way. I, it's just I, you're I, on top of it. I, I mean, is, you're sending out stuff three days in advance, and I'm like, man, I I, I got to worry about today's card. Forget that podcast know, three just, days from I'm now. I'm just trying to give us trying to give us some prep time. That's all. Fair enough. That is AJ Hoffman. I am Brad Powers. Before we get to McKenzie's best bet, which I know you guys are all waiting for an NBA Tuesday action. I don't know if you guys want to hear this one. This is my best bet Tuesday night college basketball action. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. And we're going to the Big East here. Butler at Georgetown. Butler a projected two-and-a-half-point road favorite. Total 143-and-a-half. This one tips 9 p.m. Eastern on CBS College Sports. Best bet for me, Butler. I'm going to take the road favorite here, minus the two-and-a-half. Hear me out. Number one, watching that Butler-Marquette game on Friday night. To me, that felt like a season changing type of win for Butler. I think their season could have been on the brink uh, of collapse and disaster had they lost that game to Marquette. And let's just be perfectly frank, Butler probably shouldn't have won that game. They trailed almost the entire game, but somehow found a way to win in overtime there against Marquette. I think that finally, obviously it ends their losing streak, and to me, certainly rejuvenates them. If you've followed and listened to that crowd, watched the players post game. to me, getting that win, ending that losing game, losing streak for them, I think it'll turn their season around, and now we'll start seeing the Butler team that we saw the first 15 games of the season. I don't think that's the case for Georgetown on the other side. I think it's more of the same for Georgetown. We have a legitimate reason why I don't think it's going to get better. This is a team that's only playing with a seven-man rotation. They lost four guys pretty much right around the end of December, and since they lost those four guys, one guy transferred, a couple other guys uh, you know, kicked off the team. Georgetown's two and five, straight up. Now, prior to that, they were a good team, looked like a tournament team. They were 10-3, and three, looked like they were heading to the NCAA tournament. Since then, losing those four guys, they've only covered one game. So I think you got two teams heading in opposite directions here, catching some value because Butler had a recent three-game losing streak. On the road, I'll lay it with Butler. I'll lay the two-and-a-half best bet, Butler, for me. What say you, AJ? Uh, I'm not going to give agreement or disagreement on, I don't want anything to do with a side on this game. Mm. I worry that, I mean, Butler, you're, you're right. They did get the win. Um, did not impress me in that game. I mean, it was, it was nice to see him keep fighting, but man, d- defensively, something is wrong with that team. It's uh, they were, they were so dominant early in the season and the last four or five games defensively, they've just been poor. Uh, and they were poor once again uh, against Marquette. Uh, now, Kemp. wait a second. Hold I'm, on. I'm, Hold on. Now, we both like okay. the total in that one, and we both like the over. And I think we were kind of fortunate. A lot of late scoring in that one, Do including you? overtime. I mean, you didn't like how they were defending? I mean, most of that game, they pretty much played the expectations as far as the total. It's not like we had an easy winner on the over in that one in regulation. Boy, I, I feel like I like the way that – uh, that, that Butler defended about the last four minutes of regulation. All right. I'll Fair give enough. you that. All right. I, I didn't particularly like it for the full game, no. 
And Georgetown, I do agree with you, though. I, I've been sort of a Georgetown fade. Uh, they, they, what worries me in this situation is the games that they have won uh, since the New Year flipped have all been at home. They, they beat St. John's pretty handily at home. Uh, they beat Creighton at home. Uh, all those losses, the only the only home loss they had is to Marquette, and that was by four. So I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, again, I'm not crazy about either side. I, I do like the over in this game. And, and honestly, we, we projected at 143, 143 and a half. It may even come out lower than that because the total for the uh, for the game between Marquette and Butler was 139. So and Marquette's a better offense than Georgetown. So we may see this thing come out a little bit lower. And if it comes out around 139, 140, the, the over turns into almost best bet material for me. Uh, Georgetown, they've scored 80-plus in all but two of their home games this year. And Butler's allowed 75-plus points just eight times this season, but four of those eight have been their last four games. So I I think that we see two teams that are relying a lot on offense and not much defense right now. Uh, As far as the side, one more more thing on the side. This is a crazy head-to-head number on these teams. It might make you feel good. The last seven games in this series won straight up by the road team. Uh, which is that's, oh, wow. just, that's a rare thing. Yeah, last yeah. five games covered by the underdog, but just both these teams have just been so bad against the spread of late. I don't want anything to do with a side, but I'm for sure a like on the over here. Mm. Good handicap. Actually, I would lean more that way. Now, traditionally, I would think if I would like Butler, I would expect more defense, more what I saw the first 15 games. I would prefer the under, but I mean, they showed that they can go up and down with Marquette. All right, you got me thinking a little bit more, AJ, as we're doing this. That is AJ Hoffman. You can follow him on Twitter at AJ is the real. Any closing thoughts on this one? Do you agree with me that maybe Butler that could have changed their season, or at least the narrative, had they lost that game? I mean, what's practice like the next three, four days losing that one? Yeah, things start to get ugly if they lose that game because that's four. That's four straight and. And really, it's four. It's three of three of those four are against the other premier programs in that conference in Hall, Villanova, and Marquette. If you lose, you know those three games, it's like where do we really sit in this conference uh, after the start that they had in non-conference? It kind of would have all been thrown out the window. So, but and it was such a great non-conference. The only loss they had was to Baylor, yep. who that, that obviously looks they're good. the number one team in the country. It's not a bad loss, and it was by one point at yep. Baylor. I mean, that's a that's a, a really high quality loss. Uh, but yeah, getting beat up by Seton Hall, getting I mean, really kind of dominated by DePaul, which is that's an ugly one. Very and then much. Villanova so. by fifteen. I mean, this would have been the wheels coming up, and it looked like it was going to happen. So kudos to to that squad, uh, and, and you know, Laval Jordan for for keeping them in the game because if if that one went the wrong way, boy, it could have gotten ugly in a hurry. That's A.J. Hoffman. Before we move to Wednesday night college basketball, you guys have been waiting for it. This guy's been killing it. We gave him an introduction as far as best bets. Call it beginner's luck or just call it maybe he knows what he's talking about. He did go to Yale and graduated from Yale. Mackenzie Rivers, NBA Tuesday night action. Go, Mackenzie. That's right. And I'm going to pick up on something I learned in uh, Sports Betting 101, taught at Yale, not really. But um, sometimes... You just have somebody's number, and I think that's what we have here with the Lakers and the Clippers. I like the Clippers. I think they'll be getting points, and here's why. Kawhi Leonard, since the start of the 2014 NBA Finals, is 10-3 and straight up in ATS against LeBron. You might remember that video when LeBron's shooting free throws and Kawhi comes in off the bench and he goes, expletive, expletive. It's for real. He can guard him. Kawhi is the one guy in the world straight up against LeBron. He has his number. He's the better player. And I think the Clippers are the better team. They've been getting, po- they've gotten points in both of these matchups, and yet won easily. I don't think anything changes here. And obviously, it's going to be a really emotional night in Staples Center. There will be a lot of Lakers fans there with tears in their eyes, as many of you might have felt that way over the weekend. I know I sure did. But Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Doc Rivers, you know, they want to honor Kobe's memory by playing their hardest too. And uh, I think it's going to be built into the number all the Lakers support. And I think they're going to be a little overinflated. I'm guessing this line will come up minus three without Paul George uh, possibly out. But the Clippers, you know, they're the better team. They're built to stop a team, a team like the Lakers. I've mentioned this before. They're now 9-1 and one against teams that have one player that's top 10 in usage. So that's the Donkiches, that's the Giannis's, that's the LeBron's. 
they're built with their multiplicity to kind of go up against to get have Kawhi, you know, stop the one guy and have their team and their waves of different scorers end up being better in the long run. The Lakers do have double revenge, but I think, again, that's going to be built into the number. I think you'll get some value here. I like the Clippers on the money line, but I'm going to say it's a plus two and a half. Not sure what the line is. Obviously, it's not out yet. Not out, and that's because of Paul George? Yeah, Paul George is a big question mark. There's, there's probably more question marks about that game than just What that. is your buy price? Anything with a plus number on the Clippers? Yeah, I'd say that. Okay. That's Mackenzie Rivers on fire. Well, Four and one in the NBA. Go I, ahead, AJ. I was going to say it's bold making a prediction like that when we're talking about Paul George being the reason there's not a line. That seems like a pretty important guy to Didn't have. Didn't they just beat uh, the Lakers without Paul George? They did on the first day of the season. They did. Them, yeah. Them, yep. All right. Yeah, man. I, and But I, I'm telling you that – and again, I don't bet the NBA, so I'm no expert, certainly. And I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll bow down to you guys when it comes to that. But it just feels crazy to me to fade the Lakers when you know. That, I mean, it's basically going to be the Kobe Bryant love fest. To me, if anything, it feels like this is a game where LeBron scores 81 points or something stupid like that happens, then then the Lakers lose. But again, I, this is very basic me thinking like, oh, it's going to be a really emotional thing. The Lakers, I would imagine, are going to come out really really wanting to show something out here i think you're 100 percent right and i wouldn't go crazy on this pick but i just think the value's there i think the clippers shouldn't be getting points against the lakers they've have it they've done it twice i've bet it twice they won twice and why wouldn't Kawhi? Off, off yeah why wouldn't Kawhi have the same Kawhi sentiments in LA. yeah he, so he modeled his game after kobe as much as as much as any you know great shooting guard did fair enough that's mckenzie rivers clippers lakers be an emotional scene there uh to say the least Tomorrow night at Staples Center. Let's move along. Wednesday action. Another best bet here. This one's Sleepy's total. We're talking, and he's going to get some agreement here from, from both me and AJ. Number 12, West Virginia at Texas Tech. We'll project West Virginia a two-point road favorite. Total 128. This one tips 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus on Wednesday. Sleepy, best bet. All right, guys, short and sweet with this one, my total best bet. I'm going to go ahead and play Texas Tech, West Virginia, under the total by price here, guys, 126. I think this line comes out around 128, 128 and a half. I went back and I looked at these teams when they played about four or five games ago was the last time these teams saw each other. And uh, there were a few things that stuck out to me that tells me, um, you know, that the under is probably the way to go here. West Virginia, they shot 35 free throw attempts in their last game. I think they made 23 of them. And typically, you don't want to see a West Virginia team on the free throw line, 331st in the nation in free throw percentage. So I think, you know, we're not going to get all those calls, especially here on the road in Texas Tech. I don't think you'll see West Virginia on the line 35 times. And that was one of the big strengths for them in the last game. And one of the things that Texas Tech did that really hurt them, but it really sped up the pace, the fact that they shot so many threes in the last game. They only hit 20% in that game but it was like 25 or 28 attempts they took and that's typically not what you want to see from a Texas Tech team because their three-point field goal percent is 246 in the nation and on the flip side West Virginia shooting threes uh, they're even worse they're 305th in the nation so I don't think we get a whole lot from the three-point line here I don't think we get a whole lot from the free throw line and what these teams do well on offense the other team's defense can kind of mitigate that and I think that that actually helps us out for our under and if you look at what Texas Tech did in their last game against Kentucky they started out really really slow on the defensive end and that was what caused them to go ahead and fall behind I think they come in here more focused at home I think they play lockdown defense and if I can get a really strong effort from Texas Tech on the defensive end I know I'm going to get that from West Virginia West Virginia's defense ranked 12th in the nation number two in field goal percentage defense and number two in three-point field goal percentage defense and number two in rebound margin, which I think that that helps prevent Texas Tech from going ahead and getting some offensive rebounds. So everything I see across the board here, guys, says this is one of those, you know, style make fights kind of things. And, and it really just it sets up for an underplay. And I don't think the reason why all the points were scored in the last game uh, are going to happen in this one. So, guys, I'm going to make that official. I'm going to go ahead and play Texas Tech, West Virginia, under the total of 126. That is my buy price. All right, that's Sleepy J with a best bet total on the under. I said he would get agreement. We'll lead the way with A.J. Hoffman. You agree on the under here? 
Yeah, I lean to the under as well. I mean, again, West Virginia, the most efficient defense in the country. They, they take away yep. the three ball, number two nationally. Uh, but Tech doesn't really rely on threes, which actually could be pro- part of their problem right now is they don't really have those shooters. Tech, pretty worn down, I would think. The loss yep. at TCU, they, they're beaten overtime against Kentucky in a super physical game. They've got Kansas on deck. Meanwhile, West Virginia, pretty fresh. Back-to-back massacres of, of Missouri and Texas. They've barely broken a sweat the last couple games. Uh, it's a lean to West Virginia for me on this game as well. I, so I like I, I lean West Virginia minus the two and lean under 128. West Virginia, the best offensive rebounding team in the country. Uh, and the Red Raiders, I don't really know what they are. Uh, but they're getting to a, we're getting to the point where we talked about Virginia maybe not making the tournament. It's a real possibility both teams from last year's title game missed the tournament altogether. Texas Tech one and seven in quadrant one games. They've got and that's tied for the worst in the country uh, as, as far as percentage goes of teams that have won at least one. No one's lost it, it, more than seven quadrant one games. And West Virginia seven and one against the spread in their last eight. All three losses for West Virginia though have been on the road. Kansas, Kansas State, and St. John's, and, and the lat the latter two sort of bother me a little bit. Tech, though, two and four straight up in their last six. They're obviously not playing their best ball, which I think is is kind of uh, dictated in the number here. That yeah, I mean, who would think that Texas Tech would be getting points at home at this point of the season? I don't think a lot of people would have thought that. And, in fact, they were giving points against Kentucky. So I, this is a, a, a Texas Tech team that some of the respect's been wiped off of them. I lean under and lean West Virginia in this one. Yeah, I lean more with the under. Uh, does look a little. I don't think it's necessarily cheap on West Virginia when you you know compare the Texas Tech's last home game. Kudos to you, you beat me. Uh, it was another case of I cried. I'm not afraid to admit it. <laughs> I cried. That was the Kentucky Texas Tech game, and, and also there was a lot of crying going on on Saturday because uh, I mean obviously not only that one you got the best of me on, but also the the Florida Baylor game. I cried. I'm not afraid to admit it. I cried. Those being back to back on ESPN, not not a fun Saturday night to say the least. A lot of tears for Brad. Well, uh, a lot of oh. tears on a Saturday without your Tinder app. That seems like a. I, I don't do Tinder that. App, I, I, I don't do that, tears. man. That that I do not do. <laughs> I'm an open book when it comes to you know talking about stuff, but that <laughs> I'm never done and never will do. I, I've never been on a really? dating site, never will. So you're you're an old fashioned guy. Well, uh, speaking of old-fashioned, it's good to see Bobby Huggins. Uh, I think this West Virginia team, I mean, it continues to, to at least work his, you know, pressing style of defense. You mentioned it, number one in the country in efficiency. Uh, but what I don't like and why I'm more on the total here instead of laying the two with West Virginia is, I mean, when you go on the road, I'd like to see a little bit better than number 295 in the country in three-point percentage and number 332 in free-throw percentage. That, I don't think, necessarily equates long-term to, to being a winning road team. But on the other side, what is Texas Tech's frame of mind after losing to Kentucky? That was an all-in game. Goes down the wire. They come up short in, in that one. And I'm wondering if there's a little bit of a hangover effect here for them. But when it's all said and done, you got two top six defenses here, two teams that are very familiar with one another. They played you know, three times each of the last couple of seasons, including you know the Big 12 tournament. Under for me. And, again, we're projecting that total to be right around 128. Uh, lean under for me, lean under for A.J. Best bet, under for Sleepy. Any closing thoughts, A.J.? That's all I got. All right, let's move along. I was checking out this team yesterday. The only, only unbeaten team left in the country. It is the number four San Diego State Aztecs at New Mexico. This is Wednesday action. We'll call San Diego State a 10-point road favorite, total 145. This one tips 9 p.m. Eastern on CBS College. Lead the way, AJ. Yeah, I'm going to lean with the Lobos plus 10 here. San Diego State hasn't won a game in Albuquerque since 2016. And New Mexico, it used to be the pit. I don't know what it's called now, honestly. But it's still one of the better home court advantages. Fourth best home court advantage, according to Ken Palm. Uh, New Mexico hasn't lost a game at home. But they're just one and three since the, since Carlton Bragg was dismissed, and that's kind of my big concern: is what is this yep. team without him? Zane Martin 
has stepped up in the last few games for UNM, and, and it looks like a fundamental change for their offense, which would have been required. They're, they're now having to be more of an outside-to-inside offense instead of inside-out offense. So they're, they're going to rely more on their guard play, certainly. But this feels like one of the last real chances San Diego State has of losing a game. Uh, and, and this is an elite offense in New Mexico versus an elite defense in San Diego State. But this is one of the better offenses that they've had under Brian Dutcher there at San Diego State. So, and, and then when you, the metrics are kind of hard to read on New Mexico because it, it just if you look at the season-long stats, New Mexico has a huge rebounding edge o- over the Aztecs. But that includes 15 games of Carlton Bragg, who's you know 10 and a half rebounds per game. Yep. And that's all gone now. So it, it's hard to really measure what kind of what kind of edge New Mexico will have on the glass, what kind of edge they'll have down low. Uh, but San Diego State's failed to cover their last three. Yeah, maybe they got a little expensive. The zero is starting to cost you. I'll lean with the Lobos, but I'm not crazy about backing them until we we have a better idea of what they are without Carlton Bragg. Yeah, you get agreement from me leaning New Mexico because of what you just said a couple sentences ago. I think the zero you're starting to pay the point spread premium on San Diego State. Three straight non covers for San Diego State. Did you happen to see, though, AJ, uh, the ending of the UNLV San Diego State game from Sunday? I did not see the ending, no. So here's the San Diego State's up seven. So the line, you know, pr- prior to game day, you know, the overnights were like six and a half, seven uh, yeah. in between there. I think San Diego State on game day got all the way bet up to like eight. But I'm, I'm guessing quite a few people had the six and a half, seven if they took it. With UNLV. I almost took points, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wussed out at the end. So San Diego State's up seven. So most of those UNLV backers, unless they bet like an hour before tip time, they got a losing or they got a loss or a push. And, you know, the ball, you know, San, uh, UNLV fires up a shot. They miss it. The ball's, you know, bouncing around. They tip it back to the three-point line. UNLV hits a three at the buzzer to lose by four. And I got to tell you, if you look at the crowd and how loud they were, AJ, you would have thought UNLV just won the national championship. But Keep in mind, they the still court. lost the game, but anybody who <laughs> bet UNLV, and I tweeted this, uh, kudos for uh, uh, Ken Thompson for tweeting this out as well, and I retweeted him here. He's got the video of it. I mean, it is as loud as they were the entire game. Anyone that stayed, and, and quite a few people had left, but anybody that stayed seriously cheered like they just won the national championship. Quite a few people, I guess, in that crowd took UNLV plus the points. It's a really uh, fun little thing, the game inside the game. So check that out, AJ. You're gonna lie. You'll have a good chuckle. I will. You'll probably get more of that in at UNLV than any other school in the country, I would imagine. I would, yeah, I would. But <laughs> you know, that's coming to a school near you. Let's just say in the next five to seven years. Oh, good. That that you're gonna well, but see. Not me. Not you. Oh, yeah, Texas, no way. Yeah, nothing yeah, coming yeah. your way for a while. But at least we you're going to change see, around here, buddy. You're going to see more and more of that. Let's just put it that way. But, yeah, of any school to do it, I mean, obviously we're, we, we're used to it. Or at least, you know, since uh, they've allowed to bet on UNLV games, it's now, I'm trying to think, it's going on maybe 15 years. First 10, 15 years of legalized gambling here in Nevada on sports, you weren't allowed to bet on UNLV games. But now, I mean, it's been the last 10, 15 years. So you're right. Let's get to the game, though. San Diego State's the game here at New Mexico. Again, I'm Brad Powers, College Basketball Dream Preview. I am going to lean with New Mexico. I think there's a good chance for the back door here with the Lobos. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to come right in the back door here. Yep. Thanks, Fez. I think the Lobos can come right in the back door here. Similar to what UNLV did on Sunday. I think there is a little bit of a premium on San Diego State. We're getting to that point in the season. People are jumping into college basketball. You got one team that's 21-0. and 0. I, It's not a like for me because of what A.J. was mentioning, though. New Mexico's not the same, obviously, without Carlton uh, Bragg. And it's not only him, but you know, in one of their most recent games, they were down to just eight scholarship players. They were missing four players who actually started at the beginning of the season. So it wasn't just him. This was a depth-shy team. That concerns me. But the home away splits say New Mexico's the side here. They're 14-1 at home. Uh, I just start, I'm, I'm thinking the pressure is starting to get a little bit to San Diego State. Not that they're going to lose this game, but I do think it comes under the number here. I'm going to lean, lean New Mexico plus the 10. Any closing thoughts, AJ? That's all I got. Oh, one quick thing. I got one here. I got to check and see if this is up. I got uh, kicked out of Willie, Willie Hill, so I don't have their app. Uh, 
chance of the unbeaten for San Diego State looking into the future. Ken Palm's got it right around like 24% right now. It sounds about right. A couple weeks ago, Willie Hill had uh, the, the prop available. Will San Diego State go unbeaten? It was like 9-1, to one, and I got to be honest with you. I thought for a change, this, this will come as a surprise. I thought it was a fair fair line <laughs> at 9-1. to one. Normally, I would think that, that, that Willie Hill would be ripping somebody off, but thought that was a fair line. Obviously, it would only be less at this point. I'd probably put the chances – now San Diego State going on beating more in the in the four to one range is what I I'm looking at well, it right especially here. If they get you got it. It's plus three fifty on, on plus three fifty. So yep. that's not bad. I said four to one. That's I, I think know, some you, you kind of <laughs> go ahead, AJ. <laughs> I think you glazed over the meat of that story there. I want to know why you got kicked out of William Hill. I'm I'm very limited. Not like kicked out, but I'm I, I can't bet enough to that it's worth my while. Let's just put it that way. What, what'd you get him on? Uh, well, quite a few things, but I had, it was last year. I had a really good, obviously I had a really good football season, 60 plus percent season. They were one of the first books to open up a lot of college football lines was beating them on them, beating them on a lot of in-game type of stuff. And I think the one that probably put it over the top was, you know, you would think this is square because I was betting Heisman trophy futures, but uh, I took them for, uh, on Kyler Murray as well. Heisman, uh, bet future. And I think that, that probably put me over the top. I mean, I'm not banned, but uh, let's just – I can't you – know, I'm not betting thousands there. Let's just put it that way anymore. Well, so I don't look – just goes to show, as RJ says, bookies are the worst. Yep. You, you, they gamble with you. No, They're never going to ban you for losing too much, but they'll 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 cut you down if you're winning too much. And, and see if they would have not you know, gotten rid of me after last year's football season. <laughs> exactly. They would have done them good this year because they could have taken yeah. a lot of my money this year. I mean, so what? I mean, funny how that they works. They would have upped your limits. They, yeah, they probably would have. That, that's funny how that works. They would have upped my limits. They'd let me bet anything considering how crappy I've been. Not only college uh, bas- uh, basketball, but football obviously was whew, not good. All right. Again, recapping it there, a couple of leans on the Lobos there. That's Wednesday night action. A couple games left here, including Dave Esler's best bet, which goes on Wednesday night. And then Thursday night action, A.J. Hoffman with a best bet featuring Gonzaga. Wait till you hear that one. Let's go to the Big Ten, though. Indiana at number 24, Penn State. We'll project the Nittany Lions to be a five-point home favorite. Total 144.5. This one's 8.30 p.m. Eastern tip time, Big Ten Network Wednesday. A double like on this one with agreement for A.J. and me. A.J., take it away. Yeah, it's a like on Penn State for me. Uh, Hoosiers falling apart a little bit. They're 3-7 and in their last 10 against the spread. Uh, they're now losing home games in the Big Ten, which that's never a good sign because now you got to go get those back somewhere. Penn State not a whole lot better, but they're a little better at four and six in their last ten against the spread. Indiana, they shoot the second most free throws in the country, but they're 257th in free throw percentage. They also rank number 315 in three point percentage. So that to me sounds like a game where Indiana's got to go inside. Uh, we talked about this when Penn State played Iowa earlier in the season because Penn State was going to have to go inside with Garza. But Penn State has one of the country's best shot blockers in Mike Watkins. This guy is a freak. Uh, I, I think he's a real game changer down low, and I think that he makes it tough on Indiana in the paint. Indiana played zero road games out of conference, and they've got one road win in conference. That's Nebraska, which is barely a win. Mm. So I, I just I don't like Indiana on the road. I'm not sold that either of these teams are particularly great. And Penn State, they've their offense can vanish sometimes. The Wisconsin game is a great example of that. But given aside, I'll, I'll lay it here with with the uh, the Nittany Lions here. I like Penn State minus five. Yeah, you can agree with me. Like Penn State for me, I think the situation favors Penn State. Uh, last we saw Penn State, here's again what Brad was doing watching the Nittany Lions beat his best bet Michigan Wolverines. I cried. I'm not afraid to admit it. I cried. That was, uh, I believe, last Wednesday night where Penn State goes on the road as an underdog and beats Michigan outright. They haven't played since. That's the last time Penn State played. Uh, Indiana, we just saw them yesterday as we're taping this uh, on Monday afternoon, and it was a really bad loss for Indiana, not necessarily considering the opposition being a pretty good Maryland team, but situationally, 
You got to get the W when you're up seven points with two minutes left. That has to become a win uh, in this very competitive and parity-driven Big Ten uh, 2020 season here. Here's what I don't like about Indiana. It doesn't travel well on the road, and I mentioned this a few times. This might be one of the reasons why teams in the Big Ten are having trouble winning on the road. Three-point shooting doesn't necessarily travel well, especially when you're number 278 in the country like Indiana is shooting uh, the long ball. And then free throw shooting is not good for Indiana. Number 254 in the country shooting free throws. So if you're not hitting neither one of those with a spread right around five and situationally the favoring Penn State, I like the Nittany Lions uh, quite a bit here. This was my second favorite play of the podcast, Penn State laying the wood minus the five. Any closing thoughts, AJ? That's all I got, man. All right, let's move to the Big East. This is Wednesday action. Marquette at Xavier. We'll project this line to be right around pick. 8.30 tip time on Fox Sports 1. Again, this is Wednesday action. A couple of leans here. You know what? I'll lead the way. I'm leaning Marquette. And it's more of a play against Xavier. I just, outside of that one performance for them against Georgetown, it's not been a good run for a Xavier team that's only covered one of their last six games. And to me, the whole storyline here is, is Marquette feeling sorry about themselves after a missed opportunity to get a win at Butler? If they're not, I think they're the team here. If they're still thinking about what could have been in that game uh, against Butler, maybe they get tripped up again here. But if they're not, if they're focused in this one, they're the better team. I don't trust Xavier shooting it from the outside. They're number 328 in the country shooting the three. Uh, I do trust it on the other side for Marquette as far as that. I just got done talking about what does travel. Their three-point shooting has been very good this season, not just uh, Howard for them, but uh, stepping up. Uh, I, I can't think of his damn name, the guy that hit like three threes at the end of the Butler game to force uh, – shit, I'll have to look that up. This is Kobe McKenna. Kobe McEwen? Yes, thank you. Lean, Marquette. Take it away, AJ. Yeah, I'm going to lean Marquette as well. Uh, They've won three straight in the series. The last one was 85-65 earlier this month at Marquette. And in that game, Xavier had no answer for Marcus Howard. He scored 35 points. He's averaged 31 points per game in their last three meetings. And I'm starting to think Xavier is just an NIT team is what it boils down to. And, And Marquette... Good showing, I think, versus Butler in the OT loss when you really think about it. They led for the majority of that game, gave it away at the end. And what something, you know, not that Marcus Howard is going to not have nights like these, but Marcus Howard goes four for 18 from three. The rest of the team shoots 12 of 20 from three. I mean, if, Mar- if Marcus Howard even hits his season average, it's an easy win uh, for Marquette over Butler. So I expect... I expect him to go back to to sort of where he, you know, water finds its level. Uh, And I I think that Marquette's going to have another good shooting night. Xavier, they've already had some bad showings at home, double-digit home losses to Creighton and Seton Hall. And, you know, you mentioned the three-point discrepancy, but the the free-throw shooting for Xavier, 67.4%. Poor free-throw shooting team. So when you say this is a pick-em game, one of the first things I'll look at if there's a game lined inside a possession is free throw shooting, and Xavier is bad. So I'm going to lean with Marquette here, uh, and honestly, this is a heavy lean. It may end up being a like for me. That's AJ Hoffman. You, you can follow him on Twitter at AJ is the real. I'm Brad Powers. Marquette needs this one, don't they? They start. They do. Yeah, because they lose this one. Now they're playing themselves onto the bubble instead of safely in the NCAA tournament. Man, the bubble is going to be unbelievable this year. I mean, what's the? I mean, I don't see much difference between this is the one year. Is there really going to be that much difference between like a six seed and a true bubble team that's fighting for the eleven or twelve seed? I don't see it this year. I mean, I just well, I think Marquette's currently projected as a six seed, so that answers your question. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's what I'm thinking. A bunch you know, of teams. You, yeah, you would think they'd be safely in as a six seed, but I, I mean, with a fourteen and six record right now, lose this one and maybe a few more. I mean, uh, it also it takes right now uh, is a couple of losses, having a bad week, and you go from six seed to to maybe a ten or eleven at this point because so many teams are bunched in in together. I mean, you would like to see Howard in the NCAA tournament, and usually the teams with those elite players. I'm not saying there's conspiracy theories here, but 
Uh, they, they usually, those guys, uh, those teams tend to get the benefit of the doubt. Is that what you see, AJ? Yeah, I see that as well. And, and there's really, a, I'd say, three games left on the schedule for, you know, assuming that, that they do what they're supposed to do, Marquette does, but the three games left on the schedule that'll really decide what kind of, you know, what kind of seed or if they get a seed at all. They're, they're going to get Butler at home. They're going to need to to win that rematch, I think, with Butler. Yep. Uh, they get Villanova on the road. Uh, it'd, it'd be nice for them to put up a good showing there. And then late late in February, they get Seton Hall at home. And if they can if they can win two out of those three and not slip up against some team that they shouldn't slip up against, then they should be safely in. But, yeah, you, you, these, this is the kind of game to me, uh, Xavier, a, a road game against a team that's, you know, respected but not great. Like this is the kind of the game that they really need to get a win because the, the a win over Xavier on the road is going to sound better than it probably really is by the end of the season. But you know, it's it's still not an easy place to go play in a down season for Xavier. It'd be nice to steal a win from them on the road. Yeah, looking at their schedule, closing with DePaul and St. John's could be tricky. Both of those are on the yeah. road yeah. after hosting Seton Hall. So not a lot of layups here left on Marquette's schedule. When there's an opportunity, they need to to get the W here. Again, recapping it, both leans on Marquette for me and A.J. Very strong lean, sounds like, from A.J., borderline-like for him. Before we get to A.J.'s best bet, his top play of the podcast, we have another best bet for you. It is Dave Esler, who is and 6-1. I'll take that any day of the week, any week, <laughs> any weeks. It's, it's say you're betting one game a day. Six and one is Dave's record as far as the best bets here on the podcast. Did lose his last one. Looking to bounce back from that. Dave Esler's going to the American Athletic Conference. His best bets on UCF. Take it away, Dave. Wednesday night, Central Florida over Memphis. Memphis should be about minus one, minus one and a half, and the wrong team is favored. This isn't a marquee matchup, but it's a winner. Memphis's youth can't be trusted on the road. They are the youngest team in college basketball. Their only win in conference play is over South Florida and barely. They gagged a 12-point lead at home Saturday to SMU. Before that, they were beaten on the road by Tulsa by 44-0 points. They're grossly undersized against Central Florida. They're the worst free-throw shooting team in the AAC at 64%. By contrast, UCF, 74% from the line. In conference play, Memphis is turning the ball over on almost 24% of their possessions. One more look at Memphis's last two games, both losses. Tulsa and SMU play very deliberate styles. That's exactly how Central Florida plays. Factor in the fact that UCF has played the toughest conference schedule, has two winnable games coming up, and we've got teams going in opposite directions. Memphis hasn't won here in four years. It'll be five Wednesday. The wrong team is favorite. I'm on the Knights to beat the Tigers. Insert sleepy, insert sound. All right, that's Dave Esler. Best bet for him on UCF. Dave still six and one. Diamond Dave Esler winning since Moses was in short pants. All right, you guys have been waiting for it. We're flipping the calendar to Thursday. Thursday college basketball action. Not only does AJ have a like on the side here, but his best bet for this podcast is on the total featuring Gonzaga. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. And A.J. Hoffman already won a best bet in this matchup just a couple weeks ago. Santa Clara, Gonzaga. Where are you going at uh, this time around between these two teams? Uh, this time I'm going to go to the over, and I'm projecting it at 155. I'll put my buy, my buy price up to about 157 and a half, 158. I, it's so hard to project these totals. I've been, we've been off on a couple of them that we've had projections on. So obviously I, I'll post on, on Twitter or in the forums what I'm comfortable with when the number comes out. Uh, but you may be thinking, well, last time they played, and we had a best bet on Gonzaga before, Gonzaga minus 20, and that was at Gonzaga. Uh, and that was a 104-54 matchup, a win for the for the Zags. So that game came out at 158. So you're saying, well, why would it be a best bet at 157 and a half? Well, here, here's why. And Santa Clara is just a different team on the on the road than they are at home. Santa Clara has the wor- their worst offensive game of the season in that first matchup, 
first of all. Santa Clara is a pretty average team offensively, 164th in adjusted offense. Just outside the top 100 in three-point percentage at 34.6, they shot 12% in the first game from outside. They're 40th in two-point percentage, 53.2%. They shot 40% in that game. They're 65th in free-throw percentage, 74.6. They shot 47.4% from the line in that first game. And Gonzaga, it's not like they're some magnificent defensive team. They're decent on defense, but they're not great. Uh, Santa Clara has averaged 83 points per game at home this season, 70 points per game on the road. So I don't think we'll get another 54-point showing from Santa Clara. However, I still think this is a bad matchup for Santa Clara. I mean, it continues to just be the Mark Few show. Now 8-0 straight up against Herb Sindek by an average of 36.5 points per game. And Gonzaga overs, they're one of the safest bets of the season. 17-5 to the over despite the lowest total of their season being set at 138. If you said you're going to have 22 games where the total's set at 138 or higher and you go 17-5 and five to the over, that tells you how dominant this Gonzaga offense is. Their defense, like I said, good, not great. I expect Santa Clara to get theirs too. So my best bet is going to be over in this game, set it at 155 for Gonzaga-Santa Clara. Yeah, and part of the reason Gonzaga over, they're not afraid to put it on these teams. They're just not. So oh, no. Not, not only are they superior, obviously, but, you know, I think that there's a little bit of, let's just since Baylor passed them in the rankings, there's a little bit of a frame of mind for Gonzaga to, to kind of set a tone in conference play. Yep. And when you got a team like Santa Clara, and I think it's one of the most overrated teams in the entire country, they're still number two in that luck factor. They got a gaudy 17 and five record. Uh, I think if Gonzaga's given an opportunity, they'll put another one on them here. I do like that, you know, Santa Clara does run some tempo. They should feel more confident being at home in this matchup. Yeah, you get agreement from me here. Uh, over. You've talked me into it. Uh, we didn't have a lot of disagreement on this podcast. Maybe that's. A good thing or a bad thing? Probably a bad Who thing knows? for you, AJ, because you've been winning in our disagreements. So we'll have to come up with some more disagreements in the next podcast, which going to come out right now and say, going to be in limbo because I'm in Miami. So we'll have to figure some things out as far as oh, the yeah. podcast for Thursday. Uh, I'll try to coordinate. If it's not me, maybe Sleepy gets to, together and at least gives out We'll at least give out some best bets, but I'm not sure we're going to go through game by game uh, for the upcoming weekend. Uh, you can blame RJ for it, for dragging me along to Miami. So, uh, any closing hard thoughts? Times. Yeah, hard times. Yeah, I, I didn't even... I, I didn't even mention that uh, that I like Gonzaga minus 14 as well, uh, if, if that's the number. I think that's what it should be about. And I, I'm with you. I think Santa Clara is just massively overvalued. And part of it is, you know, and that con- Gonzaga is always the class of that conference. But Santa Clara, St. Mary's, those are the teams that are usually in the mix with them. And I just think this season Santa Clara is just not very good. And the, the, if you just look at their record on paper, you're like, oh, they're good again. They'll push them again. But th- this is not a very good Santa Clara team. Uh, and another thing from that first game, Killian Tilly has kind of gotten right. You remember when they played the first time, yep. he was kind of coming back from injury. He only played 20 minutes. The last two games, he's averaged 22 points per game in 32 minutes per game. So you're going to get full bore Killian Tilly. Uh, I, I just think Gonzaga crushes here, and I, I think this one shoots over 155. That is A.J. Hoffman. You can follow him on Twitter, at A.J. is the real. Let's recap the best bets for one more time here. Tuesday night action, best bet for me, Brad Powers, is on Butler minus 2.5. Mackenzie Rivers, Twitter handle. At Mac and Rivers. At Mac and Rivers. People, did you see how people are like asking me for your Twitter account? I, I, I was blown away. I, I gained, gained 70 followers in two days. Love you guys. Appreciate it. I'll try to keep winning for you. Yeah, keep it keep it up. That's Mackenzie Rivers. Their best bet for him in the NBA was on the Clippers against the Lakers. Wednesday action, sleepy best bet. Under for him uh, in the West Virginia-Texas Tech game. Going back, sleepy also had a best bet side on Tuesday action, Florida State. Esler Wednesday, best bet UCF. And then Thursday, best bet over Gonzaga, Santa Clara for A.J. Hoffman. If you got, do you got anything else to close it out, A.J.? That's all, I'm good, man. That's going to do it for this edition of the College Basketball Dream Preview. And again, a little bit in limbo as far as the next podcast. We'll at least get you guys some best bets uh, for the upcoming weekend. And we'll at least be back with you guys at the very least next week 
as we go through the college basketball season. That'll do it for me, Brad Powers, A.J. Hoffman, Mackenzie Rivers. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.